Here, here's the assumption you should make. If you're going to be dropping in and out, um, I, I can't spend the first half hour of every Tuesday night going over what we did last week. And at the same time, I recognize that we've positioned this class as a, as a dropping class. So um, let me just say, if you're dropping in, if you weren't here last week for the first Kabbalah Cafe, um, we're going to be looking at the Kabbalah of Shabbat for the entire... Well, we'll see how long it takes. We could take the year, we could take two years, but... We're going to be looking at the Kabbalah of Shabbat, uh, which means that over the course of, I guess, usually it comes out to somewhere between 30 and 40 classes over the course of a year, give or take, because things happen and scheduling, whatever. So over the course of 30, uh, 30 or 40 classes this year, roughly 80 hours, if you kind of put it all together, we're going to be looking at uh, various pieces of Shabbat um, in theory, in practice, in... Um, in song, in dress, in preparation, in sex, in speech, in walking, and all of those things. Um, and so assume that if you miss a week, that, you know, that there is a, a way to listen in on the class. I know that Max diligently and religiously is recording and sending out, I don't know how many people you're sending it out to, but it's, it's available, it should be available through, the, through our, we should make it available through the website, right? It's, we should be able to post it on the website. The people should be able to go to the website to download it. Thank you very much, um, Maurice. Um, so I want to encourage you all to try to make it weekly. I, I recognize fully that everybody has a very busy schedule and that kind of giving two hours on Tuesday night is, uh, is a lot to ask. But I just want, to, um, just want to encourage that because I think that will make it easier for all of us to go deeper into, into the text study. Um, instead of having to go back over things every single week, we'll just be able to drop drop in where we left off. Last week we were talking about Shabbat, and as a as a foundation for this class, we talked about the ten divine potencies, the energies that are called the Svirot in the Kabbalah. And those Svirot, we talked a little bit about um, how they act as an intermediary. We talked a lot last week about the one and the many. We kind of tackled a very big philosophical question about how it is that that unity which we proclaim in the Shema Yisrael Hashem Alekin Hashem Echad, how that unity that we, um, that all of us to some degree I think are familiar with those six words in some form or another, how it is that that unity which originally meant one in number, one God as opposed to many, and was later understood to be the unity of God, which meant that God was a completely unified being, which later then that became understood in, in like, in mysticism 3.0, it became not only is God unified, but all of reality as such is unified being within the one. And how is it that from that one, that ocean of absolute radical unity, there can be separation, there can be a world itself? That becomes the most perplexing of questions for the mystics, and we answered, quoting the Sefer Yitzirah, the book of formation which was, um, you know, one of the most amazing books of Jewish magic and Jewish mysticism ever penned. It was intended to be a Mishnah, kind of a six-chapter memorized magical incantory, like you would, in, you would encant these, these pithy teachings, and they would actually, <coughs> they were mystical teachings. And in that book, they were introduced to these ten, these ten levels, or these ten energies, that are the answer to the question, how is it that the many can come from the one? And the answer was that there are um, 
ten energies that are um, the intermediaries. They are, in, in a sense, the veils that allow God to go from absolute oneness to absolute fragmentation. And that all reality is made up of these ten energies, these ten potencies, these ten stories. And we began to talk a little bit about how Shabbat works into those ten energies. Of course, it's not hard to see, everybody, that those ten energies are the ten commandments and the ten, right, everything that you can imagine that has to do with ten in the Kabbalah becomes associated with the ten Sfirot. And everything that has to do with the division of three and seven, for example, um, uh, that there are seven days of the week, so the lower seven Sfirot beneath Chochma, uh, I'm sorry, Keser Chochma Bina, Keter Chochma Bina, the top crown wisdom and understanding those three energies, those very sublime energies that are much closer to some degree to God, are then split off into the upper three and the lower seven are corresponding with the seven days of the week, any which way you cut it. So three and seven, extra lean, or uh, all ten as one unit uh, in one constellation. Either way you cut it, seven and the seventh sefirah, the lowest one, the tenth sefirah from the top, or the seventh of the lower seven, is always known as Malchut, right? The last of the Svirot. And um, we're going to talk a little bit about, a lot about that this year. She is known both um, as masculine and feminine in various uh, images. She is known as the queen in the Talmud, where she is called the queen on a number of occasions, and which, of course, gave... Uh, also led to seeing her also as a beloved, not just a queen in her regal or royal majestic quality, but also as a kala, as a, as a bride. In fact, the original image of the, of the Midrash is that Shabbat is, not, is, not, uh, is, the, is the lonely day that has no mate, that has no, it's a very famous Midrash, where, I think many of you have heard me say this, where God says, the Midrash says, um, in, in God's name, that God said to Monday that it should couple with Sunday, and to Wednesday that it should be the helpmate or the the bride or the you know the partner of Tuesday, and Friday and Thursday got together, you know, <laughs> and then Shabbat came and said to God, "No, what about me? Right? Why why am I left out?" And in the earliest recension of this midrash, and I mean early. Right? That was over a thousand years ago, 1400 years ago. The earliest uh, version of this Midrash, God says, sure, no problem. You, you need, it's like the original J date. I, I, have, I got, have I got someone for you? And who is it? Who is the, who's the original mate of Shabbat? Who is the original mate of Shabbat? Shabbat is the divine feminine. Who is the original mate? The original mate of Shabbat is not God, it is. No, Shekhinah is Shabbat. Hello. Not, you guys are thinking so in such spherotically. The Jewish people. Thank you, Shari Glockstad. Get that woman a teddy bear. Get her a teddy bear. So the original mate of, of Shabbat is the Jewish people. That's what God says. God says to, to, to Shabbat, don't worry. Right, and in, in L'chadodi, I'm going to be switching, I'm toggling back and forth very quickly between a lot of the language that I don't, I, I'm sure a lot of you know it, but you don't know it as 
quickly as I'm saying it, so I'll try my best, but like, in L'cha Dodi, and Friday Night Liturgy, which is a very late poem written in the 16th century, late meaning relative to the rest of Jewish history, 16th century poem, there are a number of words that some of you might be familiar with if I sang them, right? For example, I use a melody, so the melody will also help you remember. Um... Right, so there's one line that goes, Right? Bach, meaning in, it's the feminine, in you, Yechesu will be sheltered. The Aniye Ami, those who are from our people, are the poor of our people. Meaning Shabbat and, and the Jewish people have a very torrid love relationship. It's a very, very uh, beautiful, long-standing trope is that we have a love relationship with a day. It's a very interesting thing to think about, if you really think about it. It's very hard, you'd be hard-pressed to find in another culture the kind of, um, almost, er without a doubt, erotic relationship that the Jewish people have with a day, with a point in time. Right? It's not a day... It's, it's as if, you might say, okay, what about July 4th? Uh, I don't know. You, you know, what about, uh, what's, what's a, like a day that the American people love, you know? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, okay, Thanksgiving, okay? But there's something very unique about the, it's not just, it's not the day as a means to Turkey and as a means to family and all those things. There is an actual, almost, almost sensual relation with the day itself. Like, you don't have people around um, America waiting for 12 o'clock midnight on Thanksgiving night and saying, Ah! Thanksgiving! <laughs> right? Everybody put everything away. Tonight's Thanksgiving. We start from the night. It's Thanksgiving. It's already the morning of Thanksgiving. Let's get the turkey and let's, let's rush. Let's clean the beds and make sure that everything is clean because she's coming. Thanksgiving as personified, right, being. Right? In, in, the, in the liturgy, in the teachings of our, of our tradition, Shabbat becomes, a, 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 it's, a, it's time, but it has personified qualities. We call, we have, she's a she. She's coming, Shabbat. Right? Of course, in Hebrew, because Hebrew is, is a gendered language, so it's a she, but um, it, it, there's something phenomenal about, about Shabbat. I just want to hold this here. I'm just going to say this line, and then we'll come back to it over and over again. That Shabbat is God embodied in time. Right? If Judaism can be said to have major issues with a God incarnate in space, they had no such issues with a God incarnate in time. Right, God, it's as if you are in a fog of divinity that has descended at 547 on Friday night. And I'll tell you a story. When I was, um, twenty-two, I think. So twenty-two years ago, when I was twenty-two, I was um, I was invited, there was a group of, of Haredi Jews, like ultra-Orthodox Jews, who, who came to Great Neck. And I was at the time very, very, I was ultra-Orthodox, but I was living, I was back and forth between Yeshiva and my parents' house. I was the only guy 
with payas and great neck, I guarantee you. And into, into my town, into my town walked like a group of, of yeshiva bachurim, yeshiva kids um, from Lakewood Yeshiva in New Jersey. Yeah? I'm telling these stories so that people don't fall asleep because we have very ambient lighting tonight. I just want to make sure. <laughs> I, no, it's okay, Debra, don't worry. It's, it's perfect for Shabbos. So I just want to say, we should light candles. We should light, Debra, do you have candles? We should light Shabbos candles. Um, but nobody drank any wine yet. No wine. You have coffee, that's good. So uh, Lakewood Yeshiva guys came to Great Egg and they set up what's called a kolel. Kolel is a, they're professional learners. They get paid and they sit and learn. If they sit and learn, that would be a great thing. They're not always learning, but they, they, they're getting paid and they learn. Okay. So they came to Great Neck, and I became very, very uh, close with them. Very close. I spent every day learning there in the Kolel throughout the summer. You know, I was one of the gang. So when the summer ended, they invited me to come to Lakewood for Shabbos. They went back to New Jersey. The summer session ended. And I found myself, like, you know, on, on an Arab Shabbos, making a pilgrimage to New Jersey. Um... This was before GPS, well before GPS. This is 1990, I don't know, 91. And, um, and sure enough, I get for I get lost. Wow, do I get lost. I'm about 90 miles away from Lakewood. And it's like, Shabbos is coming in at like 6, and, it, and I'm, it's like 5.30, you know? <laughs> So, so you know what I do? I, I pull, I, I, you know, no cell phone. Cell phone, what? It's amazing to think that people can even live, you know. It's like, how do you, you So what do you do? So, like, I, I'm, 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 I pull into a gas station. There's traffic everywhere. And, you know, can, you know save me, Obi-Wan. You're my only hope. Like, I, I go into, I go into the, uh, the, the phone booth, and I, and I put my quarter, and I call my friend, Ishaya. And Leibovitz, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm calling the payphone. Now, the payphone is on the second floor of the dormitory of like 200 guys, right? No, his name was Asher Lubavitz, not Yishadev. Asher Lubavitz. So I call, and I'm thinking, God, please, somebody pick up. You know, it's Arab Shabbos, everybody's running around like crazy. It rings like 15 times. And who picks up the phone? Asher Lubavitz. He says, I happen to be walking by. I said, Asher, I have no idea where I am. I, I, have, I, I have no idea where I am. He says, look around, tell me, tell me what you see. I told him what I saw. He said, okay, listen, this is what you got to do. You got to get on this back road, that back road, just follow it straight. It's like, like, calling, like calling Arthur Freed. That's what it was like. It was like calling Arthur. It's like a human GPS. He tells me exactly how to get there. Like, you know, it's like, and, and, uh, and the spirit of Arthur Freed was there. And I rolled in. Shabbos is 6 o'clock. I rolled in. You have the 18-minute grace period, right? Because they push it back. 18 minutes, really, sunset is at 6.18, but they say it's at 6. So I roll in, it's like 6, 5, like 6, 16, 15. It was like, I had like th- I'm, I'm driving and you can't imagine what they were, as they were looking at me. Looking at me like, like, who are you? Like, I mean, I was wearing the uniform. I thought, okay, they'll give me a pass. But, but you know, because I had the black hat, the whole thing. Nothing. I'm walking in, they're all going like this. I'm driving in. I get I get out of the car, and they and the guy screams me. He says, "Get out of the car!" He's like, "Squeeze Get out of the car!" So I, I, I step away from the car and and, and keep your pants where I can see him. Like you know, it's like so I, I, I step away from the car, 
And, uh, and, and I'm thinking, I, all of my clothing is in the car. I, I turned off the car. I didn't lock it. It's like, it's there. I can't, you know, I got my keys, you know. And, uh, and next thing you know, like a whole brigade of like kids come out of different homes. And they're like young kids. And they, they're walking over to my car. One opens the door. He gets the hanger. The, you know, and the other guy gets my release. And it's like, because they're young enough so that they don't have to keep the mitzvahs. They're like, they're young enough to be, they're pre-bar mitzvah. So they, it was like a whole group of like, like I felt like I was in Wizard of Oz, like the munch, you know, the, the and, they, and they had, here we go, Mr. Eater, here we go. It's like they're going with my, with my suit. I said, where do you go? We're taking you to where you go. And, but, you know, it, it's that feeling in, in, a, in, a, in a world where when Shabbos comes in, it's not. It, it wasn't like, I didn't feel guilt. I felt that there, there was, um, as if I were, in, I was violating a very intimate space that had descended through time, right? It wasn't just, it was as if I was walking into a, a moment between lovers on an anniversary, you know, and like you're a, you're a waiter and you're like, <clears throat> you know, and they're having a moment. And that's the way it feels in the, in the tradition. I'm not saying every, you know, I'm not romanticizing everywhere. It's like that everywhere and, uh, you know, whatever. We're not, we'll be realistic about it. But at least in its aspirational and ideational uh, perfected vision, it is, uh, it is a time like no other. We even have sources, I didn't bring it today, we're going to look at it together, sources in the Kabbalah that say that every appointed time, meaning every holiday, flows, I'll tell it to you now. So there's a Torah from the B'nai Sassler, that, that was fancy language for it. There's a Torah from a particular Hasidic book called The Sons of Yisachar. It was written by Tzvi Eli Melech of Dinov, an 18th century, late 18th century, early 19th century Hasidic master. It's a very, very beautiful Hasidic work. And he says a very interesting thing. He says when you say the Kiddush on Friday night, right? When you say Kiddush on Friday night, and people know what I mean when I say Kiddush on Friday night? Yes. Yeah. The sanctification of the day that is said over wine on Friday evening. It's a blessing over wine and then a number and then uh, then a quote from the Bible about the sixth, the seventh day of the week. And then a, and a, then a blessing that um, those of you who are familiar with the liturgy on Friday night would know it. Um, I mean like the high holiday no stuff one second because um, Vishabat kocho miyava uratson inchilanu Zikaron ma'asev reshit Now what's that? Zikaron ma'asev reshit What is that? Anybody? A zikaron is remembrance Ma'aseh is the work Like ma'aseh merkava Ma'aseh bereshit In other words Shabbat is connected to Creation Right? It's a creation moment Right? It's literally we honoring the God Who creates a universe on Shabbat That's one trope Who's holding that one? Eli, hold that one. You got it? Zikaron ma'asevereshit Kihu yomet echila Limikra ekodesh Time out. What is that? What is tchila limikra ekodesh? What's tchila? The what? Nope. The beginning. The beginning of mikra ekodesh. What are mikra ekodesh? Of the, say it out loud, say it out loud. To call it holy, the holy days. What are the holy days? The holidays. 
No, not Shabbat. Well, Shabbat is holy too, right? Of course, but in the context of the Kiddush, Tchilah yes. is what? The beginning, Mikrai Kodesh. It is the Tchilah, the Mikrai Kodesh. We say this every Friday night, everybody. <laughs> every Friday night, 52 times a year. Tchilah, the Mikrai Kodesh, Shabbat is the beginning of all holy days. Not of Shabbat. That wouldn't make sense. It's the beginning of Shabbat. It's the beginning point. It's the alpha point of all Mikra'e Kodesh, which are Sukkot, Pesach, Shavuot. Right? All of these Mikra'e Kodesh. And what's, who's holding that one? Sheldon, hold that one. You got that? Okay, who's got the first one? Eli, what's that one? Which is, just say it in English, so we can know. What is it? The essential... Shabbat is? It's a creation idea. That's why we, that's why Shabbat is important because it's rooted in creation. And Shabbat is, is important because it's... Kodesh, beginning of all the holidays. Right? What's that? Recalling the exodus from Egypt. So Shabbat is this diadem of this gorgeous crown jewel that is at once creation, at second, all of the holidays, and third, the exodus from Egypt, right? So Shabbat is in the Zohar and, and certainly in other sources. Shabbat is the, 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 the origin point of all embodied divinity in time. All spiritualized time has its source in Shabbat, and all holidays, all holidays have um, a root in Shabbat. Shabbat is, as you'll see later on as we study it, is like it is flowing onto all of the holidays. Shabbat is connected to Sukkot, and, and Sukkot gets its energy Kabbalistically from Shabbat, and so does Pesach, and so does the entire calendar is um, like the spokes of a wheel. And Shabbat is the hub. Okay, back to the Midrash about God, about the Jewish people and Shabbat's lover. Okay? So in the first Midrash, who's, who's the lover of Shabbat? It's the Jewish people of B'nai Israel, children of Israel. In a, later, in a later version of that, guess who becomes the lover of Shabbat? God, God's self. And in that later Midrash, Shabbat becomes God's bride. Right? God, God's bride is Shabbat. And now you can understand why people would get dressed up and go out to greet the bride. That's the tradition. You know, sometimes with, with, when it comes to, to liturgy, I sometimes think, and often in, in Judaism too, I feel like do you guys remember the story that I told over, over, over the Chagim about the Baal Shem Tov and the fire? People remember that story? Yes. Right? That the Baal Shem Tov, it's a long story. I'm going to make it three, a two-minute story. The Baal Shem Tov used to go to a place in the forest. He used to bring the Maggid of Mezrich with him. And they would light a fire, and the Baal Shem Tov would pray. And whatever needed to happen would happen. When the Baal Shem Tov died, the Magid used to go to the fire, to the forest, and he used to take, <coughs> used to take. I think it was 
to take the Noach Lelever. I think he would take he would take one of his students. He would take him with him as well. And he would say, I don't really know the place in the forest, but I can light the fire and I can say the prayers and things will get done. And then after him, his student went to the forest when things were bad. He said, I have no idea where in the forest to go and I don't know what prayers to recite, but I can light the fire and I can and things will get done. And and the last student said, I don't know where the fire I don't know where the forest is, I don't know where the how to say the prayers, I don't know how to light the fire, but I could tell the story and that'll be enough. Mm-hmm. And I often feel like that with a lot of stuff in our tradition, like here we are on 105th Street in Amsterdam, we're singing Come let's go meet the bride, 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 da, 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 right? And meanwhile, we used to light a fire with that. We used to actually go out and greet the bride. They would actually enact it. It wasn't like a, a story. They would like get dressed like they were going to everything about Shabbat. became like going to a wedding, right? So you don't show up late to a wedding. Well, maybe some people do, you know. You have a special clothing that you wear to go to a wedding. Their special food at a wedding. They actually would feel as if they were going to greet a bride. Rabbi, when you say No, I meant it in the context of the story that he would light a fire. He would just light a, a fire in the forest. Not a puja. Mm-hmm. Now we're gonna add puja on top of Tchilul Makin de Kodesh. We're gonna have to have a, a, a uh? Say it again. It's like the Rana and the Sita of the Jewish, you know, tribe, right? And the idea that it's really comforting to know that we have this beautiful, you know, Clement consort of the divine as well, you know. And um, I kind of wonder, because I remember learning this halakha once, that if, like, you're lost in the forest, you don't know when Shabbat is, that you can count whatever number, seven days from that, and then, and then keep the Shabbat then. So I so love what you said about um, that while we may not, as we don't feel comfortable creating God in space, we feel comfortable God in time. I love that. And I wonder if the Shabbat is in reference to some sort of like this being, this, this God, godliness that we chose a time to honor her or love her or be in, in that intimate relationship with to necessarily being a day that was then made holy, but that there was this holy thing that we devoted a day to. Well, I want to focus on the specific day of Shabbat for now. In, in that later conception of, uh, in, the, in the later fluidity of time, Shabbat becomes, uh, consciousness itself is, has Shabbat qualities. And you right. can write. So um, before we deconstruct the day, I, no, I, I think I appreciate that, Rachel. I think, Rachel, I think you're bringing something very beautiful. I think that for many people, we're already in a place where we say, you know, Shabbat isn't, doesn't have to be necessarily a particular day, and so on and so forth. But I think that it's really important for us to... to, to, to um, we need more Shabbat, not less Shabbat. So I, it's, I'm on a yes and. Right, exactly. So I'm, I'm with you later when we when we study a little bit more about when when we when we when we play in that field I'll be comfortable there. 
for now, I really want to get people juiced up for the actual Friday night and Shabbat day, and then we'll talk about how turning Sunday into Shabbat as well. You know. <laughs> so I have a couple of sources. So I wanted to come back to um, to this, and um, I'm going to hand them out. I made 50 this week. Last week we had not, not enough, and it looks like there are fewer people here this week, so it'll be it should be enough. So um, I'll hand them out this way. And it'll be nice to, to actually look at some text inside today. And, 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 uh, and look at some of these beautiful ideas. I promised last week that we were going to start from the beginning. So let's start from the beginning. We could actually go earlier than I've actually given you sources for. We could actually go to various theories about why Shabbat itself became Shabbat. Why, in general, was a, a number seven so sacred in, in antiquity? We can connect it to women's menstrual cycles and the cycles of the moon, which some people, including Halitea share and some other people have, have done. I don't want to go there exactly. It's a very early, it would be a very early uh, and interesting, not just early, but a very early and interesting way of looking at Shabbat. I don't want to go there. I want to just start with the Bible. That's where we, we begin usually. If there are any extras, you can pass them my way. Any extras? Great. Okay. Turn the page, everybody. They, they, they keep fushtusting my things here. But go to the last page, the back page. No, the last page is with a chart. Okay? Sure. Rachel, for you? For you, Rachel? Okay, it wants to read Source 1, Genesis, beginning of Chapter 2. Yeah, it's the first source on the top left, where it says Biblical Sources. It's a five-second rule. I'll wait five seconds, and then so if somebody doesn't jump in, then I'll read. Heaven and, earth, heaven and the earth are finished, and all their array. On the seventh day, God finished the work that he had been doing, and he ceased on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy. Because on it, God ceased from all the work of creation that he had done, such as the story of heaven and earth when they were created. <coughs> Read on. No, stop there. So who, can re who recognizes source one? It's Kedish, right? Mm -hmm. Who said that? Okay. Right? You guys get that? Source one? Right? 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 And he ceased on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy. Because on it God ceased from all work of creation that he had done. So that's Genesis, everybody, right? That's the first time we have anything about Shabbat. 
That's the first source of Shabbat, and God is, who wants to describe what Shabbat is in this source? What is Shabbat? It's a of whose rest? So God rests, and that rest is described as with the ver with the, with the word vayishbot, which is connected to Shabbat, right? Vayishbot. How does they translate vayishbot? And God, um, and He ceased. So Shabbat has to do with cessation, to stop, to do to stop. Right in modern Hebrew, a strike is shvita. Like I'm going on strike. God went on strike on the seventh day. It's like I work six days, I'm not part of a divine a deity union, and this is, um, right, I get a day off. And then God blesses the seventh day. God blesses the seventh day. It's the first thing that is given a bracha, right? And God made it kadosh, holy. So those, can everybody remember those things? If I said to you, Shabbat, right? The first moment of Shabbat's appearance on the biblical scene is the first Shomer Shabbat is who? Or whom? God's the first Shomer Shabbos. God's the first one to keep Shabbat, so to speak. All, with all deference to the Big Lebowski. So God, God keeps Shabbat. God is described as, right? So the first thing that happens is that God stops. That's what it means to keep Shabbat. God is vayishbot. God stops. And then what? Then God pro- and then something proactive happens. And God actively blesses the day. And then makes it kadosh. Makes it holy. Okay? So Shabbat is about stopping. Shabbat is about blessing. And Shabbat is about this thing called Kiddushah, Kiddush, Kadesh, whatever that means. Okay? What does that mean? Well, let's, let's hold off. See, we'll see how the rabbis understood. Because, you, you know, we've got to go through history here. Who wants to read the second source? Exodus 20. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day, <coughs> your God, you shall not do any work. You, your son or daughter, your male or female slave, or your cattle, or your stranger, or the stranger who is within your settlements. For in six days, Adonai made heaven and earth and sea, and all that is in them. And God ceased on the seventh day. Therefore, Adonai blessed the seventh day and hallowed Right. Exodus 20, anybody have any, any idea what context this is in? It just came out of Egypt. It came out of Egypt, right? So we're somewhere out of Egypt, okay? Right? What laws? The utterances. okay. What are they known by? For, I mean, you're absolutely right. They're called utterances, but how do we know them colloquially as the Ten Commandments? Right? Got that? Zachor Yom HaShavad Kocho. Remember the Sabbath day and and what? Keep it holy. Remember that from back from, from the beginning? Right? Remember that you, now you make it holy. The Khodjo to keep it holy. Who made it holy before? Who makes it holy now? Me, me and you. Us. Right? It's us. 
and then what? Remember it. And now it's much, right now, I mean, help me along here, guys, because I'm teaching, but I know you guys are hopping all this before I get it. So the first, the first source is creation, and in keeping Shabbat, what is it? What is the, the, the observance of Shabbat in the creation source? Meaning, if, if keeping Shabbat is a remembrance of what? Of God's creation, God stopped, right? So what is the primary function of my observance of Shabbat? It's to some degree, like, what's the reason? If you read that, you think, God's, uh, that's Shabbat. It doesn't say what we have to do on Shabbat, right, in the first source, right? Right, I'm saying it doesn't say, it doesn't say. Like, in, in, the, in, the, in the creation source, it doesn't tell us that we have to keep Shabbat. It just says that God kept Shabbat, great. And God made it holy, and made it great. So it's, it's holy. God made trees, God made a lot of things, God made Shabbat, right? So my connection with Shabbat in, in, in source one is not, has no praxis. It has no imperative. It doesn't, it's just, right. it's just telling me that there's a rhythm in creation called six and one, and God, right, God stopped. Now along comes Exodus and says, that myth, that wonderful story about how God kept Shabbat, quote unquote, guess what? You have to remember Shabbat as well. Right? You have to remember Shabbat. And in so doing, to some degree, we are imitating God, which for, right, for in, in the Jewish tradition, imitating God is a very, very important ethical and moral way of approaching life. Right? God is seen as, um, our deity is seen as, as, as um, a source for, as a role model. No, the opposite. We elevate ourselves to God. Well, that's exactly what's new about the Torah. The Torah is saying that God is ethical and moral, and in a way that human beings aren't. And so if you imitate God and keep God as your North Star, for example, monarchy. But right? the sense of the ethics and moral is our human is what we attribute to God. Absolutely true. That's absolutely true. And there are, there are parts. It's very limited. You're right. Especially if you believe... As, as you and I and many of us do, that the Bible wasn't written by God. So in that case, of course, the author's own ethical and moral assumptions about what God, what makes God moral and ethical uh, is very circumscribed. That's true. And there are certainly, there are certainly things in the Bible that, that God does that I would say, please do not imitate that. <laughs> right? That's... And, and that, of course, is the problem with this, this, the notion of imitatio dei, or, or, or imitating God. But there are wonderful examples, for, for example. It is the Torah's, it is the beauty of the Torah that the Torah says, in a society where everyone worked in slave labor, right, when everybody was working, 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 it, it is the beauty of the Torah that the Torah here in Exodus 20 says that God, in God's mouth, are placed a very powerful statement about, about, about labor and about the equality of a society where everyone rests, including right, slaves and, and gear, uh, someone who is an alien resident has to rest, right? No, ex, no ex, um, exploitative labor practices are placed into the mouth of God. God is the original union boss, you know, right? You're, these are my children, 
and it doesn't matter what their caste is in your society, Shabbat levels the playing field, right? So, um, so here we have, in, in source number two, everybody, in source number two, you guys might want to pass these sources to, to, our, to our very own Shelley and Bossy Hort, who make no, no noise and no, no waves, but you can't go unnoticed, the sweet people. We love having you. We were waiting for you. Shamor v'zachor. They both came, v'dibur echad, in one place. So listen to this. Notice that it says, remember Shabbat. Now, source number three, who wants to read three, Deuteronomy 5? Observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do, and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son, or your daughter, your male or female slave, your ox or your ass, or, your, or any of your cattle, or the stranger of your settlements, so that your male and female slave may rest as you do. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God freed you from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Okay. What's different between... By the way, we, we missed a piece in, in, in source number two. Go back to source number two. What's the reason given... Oh, I mean, we didn't miss it, but I just want to highlight it. Yes. So it's remember... No, in, ver, in, in source two, what is it? Remember Shabbat in Exodus, right? Yes. Zachor, remember. Mm-hmm. And, and what's the reason given for keeping Shabbat? It connects it back to source one, which is... For God... For God created, so in that way, you are imitating God. We, I said that, I just want to make clear. What happens in source three? So now we're in the book of Deuteronomy, the book of Devarim, in the second telling of, this, of the Ten Commandments. For those of you who did not know, the Ten Commandments appear twice in the Torah, once in Shemot, in Exodus, Parshat Yitro, and the second time in Devarim, in Deuteronomy, in, in, in Parshat Va'etchanan, in the Parsha called Va'etchanan, and in this, in the reading that we just did, number three, from, from Devarim, what's different? What do you notice that is different between three and two? Anybody? Yes. What is it? Okay, so, so the second thing that's really interesting, come back to that in a second. What's the first thing that's different about the, in the Ten Commandments uh, in Vait Hanan? Sheldon? Well, in, in two, just remembering it. In three, you're observing it. Right. It's an act of... Uh, right. So the word the, the words are used are shamor in Deuteronomy, which means observe, like shomer shabbat, observe, v'shamru b'nei Israel et shabbat. Right. And in Shmot in Exodus it says zachor, remember. So what are some of the? Okay, that's the first thing that's different. What's the second thing? We just said it. It's that. What's the reason for keeping Shabbat in Deuteronomy? Remember. To remember what? That you were a slave in Egypt. That you were a slave in Egypt. Right? So everybody get this? Mm -hmm. So Exodus is remember and connected to creation. Keep Shabbat because on six days and then on the seventh day God rested. Or God stopped. Also rested. Stopped and rested. And in Deuteronomy... 
It's remember, it's observe rather, shamor, whatever that means, safeguard, observe, and connecting Shabbat practice to an exodus from slavery and bondage. Okay, we're going to get to that in a second. I want to just take a question and then. Yeah, well, there's a little wrinkle in this for me. Uh, like, I remember the song by Tom Lehrer, National Brotherhood League. A National Brotherhood League, Horn and Sheriff Clark are dancing cheek to cheek. Is it, is it Shabbos? Is when the slaves also get. And it was a weekly version of the National Brotherhood Week. The slaves, slavery in here. Yeah. Is uh, something, you know, that kind of strikes them. That, that, okay. oh, you mean that they still are slaves? That there well, are slaves? It's slaves. saying that slavery is okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. So again, again, don't expect the Torah, believe it or not, to be perfect. Or, or let me say it differently. Don't expect the Torah, uh, a document from at least you know 500 BCE, if not earlier, to reflect our current mores and and assumptions about what is moral. Uh, it's unfortunate to some degree that the Torah right, wasn't able to to reflect feminine and homosexual equality and so on, but it's, it's a, certainly a time-bound document. And so for the Torah, the Torah introduces many novel and revolutionary ideas, but it doesn't introduce uh, a wholesale, sweeping, revolutionary, um, finished products. It didn't eradicate slavery. It did introduce... Uh, more, uh, a greater level of morality around that immoral practice. It introduced various notions of uh, greater levels of, of power for slaves, but unfortunately, it did not completely eradicate slavery. So that, um, we have to let that go in order to appreciate Shabbat, because it's not perfect. It's not perfect. But what it did do is, it did say, in a, in, I mean, imagine at the time, right, how profound it was to say that your slaves have a day off. Slaves have a day off? Slaves have a day off? Cattle has a day off? Right? And, and to tie it in the book of Deuteronomy to the moral, and, uh, the moral legacy of having once been slaves ourselves and having been freed from slavery is a very powerful uh, move. It's a very powerful move. But doesn't God free the slaves in the next Mishpatim? He says, seven years you can let your slaves go. Right. That's, that's part of the moral, that's what I'm alluding yeah. to, yeah. Right, there are, there are, there were, there were moments in the Bible where, where, there are many moments in the Bible. The Bible itself is a very revolutionary document, but it's not without its flaws and without, without its, uh, its, its own slow movement towards uh, a desired end. That would be a good way of looking at it. Um, a couple of things. So, how do the rabbis reconcile the discrepancy between Shamor and Zachor? Anybody? So one way would be to say that they complement each other. They, they fill out a, a fuller picture of what is expected on Shabbat. You can't observe if you don't remember. Okay, that would be one way to reconcile it. Anybody else? I heard from Rachel already. Eli? And there was a miracle in that both were said at the same time. 
So very beautiful. In, 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 in Kabbalah Shabbat, people write, Shamor Vezachor, Bedibor, Echad, Yishmiyanu, Elam Yuchad. In a very beautiful, um, very Buddhist, mystical moment, the rabbis imagine that God's voice could hold these two in one utterance. That God spoke it, and it split into two when we heard it. So it's a, a mystical way of reading it. God spoke, Shamor v'zachor, b'dibur echad, in one utterance, and then we, right, we heard it, sh'taim zu shamati, achad diber lochin, sh'taim zu shamati, we heard what was unindividuated, we heard two instead of one, which is the nature of human listening. Right, so that's the second reconciliation. Really, there's no conflict. They were all said in one utterance, and we heard two things. It's a problem with our listening, not with God's utterance. Okay? What's the most famous and the most, um, most useful way for our understanding of Shabbat in the way that the rabbis understood this discrepancy? Rachel? Yeah. So Rachel hit it on the head. The rabbis took it as, just as, um, as Judy had said, that we need both of them, but they didn't say we need both of them because we need to uh, remember before we can observe. They said they're referring to two aspects of Shabbat. One, a negative or p- passive and refraining aspect, and the other one, a positive and, and proactive aspect. All of the things that we stop doing as God stopped creating in the six days, Vayishbot, are all under the category of Shamor, right? All under the category of Deuteronomy's observance. To Lishmor, the rabbis here in Shmirah, a, a safeguarding, creating a fence, right? Um, and in Zachor, to remember, they hear a positive proactive invitation to not only refrain, right, don't, right, be careful not to do something wrong, but here are the things that you should do to make Shabbat, to remember it appropriately. Right, Shmirah is don't forget your anniversary. It's like, do everything in your, you know, on that day, don't make any appointments. And Zachor is getting a great dinner reservation and getting a great bottle of wine and getting flowers and making theater, you know, like doing things proactively. Like the Shmirah is, right, refrain and the Zechirah, the remembrance is due. Let's, I want to read to you from Art Green. Rabbi Art Green, if you look on the, um, where is it on your sheet? It's um, 80 and 81, Celebrating Creation. I need a big voice. I need a big voice. Who's got a big voice? I mean a voice loud enough that, that, that Maurice can hear you. A third mitzvah that our faith in creation calls upon us to fulfill is that of the Sabbath. The Sabbath is surely the greatest gift that the people Israel has to offer to civilization in terms of the forms of religious life. Shabbat is an extended meditation on the wonders of the created world and the divine presence that fills it. 
the weekly stopping of the clock and relief from all pressures and obligations of the workday world, from the ongoing demand to recreate and transform reality, is needed more than ever in our fast-paced world. It gives us the opportunity to enjoy the world as we have received it and to bask in its holy light. Shabbat is, if you will, contemplation turned into a way of living, rather than the long and silent contemplative act which lies at the heart of all prayer, Shabbat is that same contemplation turned into the mode of family and communal joy and celebration. In its ideal form, it is an exquisite sharing with those we love of our awareness that we, the world around us, and love itself are all gifts from the one source of life. This is not the place to elaborate on precisely how Shabbat should be celebrated. Ultimately, it should be a day of joy and not restriction. The rules for Shabbat exist in order to create the sacred time in which the transformation of consciousness, that is Shabbat's real meaning, may take place. I have found that many of the larger rules make sense. Avoidance of travel, of commerce, and of all forms of schedule watching and weekday obligation seem to lie at the core of the Shabbat experience. The finer details of Shabbat observance will have to be tried and tested by each seeker or community. Some people do better with more of the traditional halakha, others with less, depending largely on individual needs for structure or freedom. But some sort of halakhic form should be firmly established, for it is this that creates the, ne the needed fence within which Shabbat consciousness can live. So his, his very, you know, Ralph, Art Green's, Rabbi, Rabbi Green's very clear, um, in some way, division of this very page, this is into Zachor and Shabor. Like, if you look at the left side of the page, it's very clearly Zachor. Remember, celebration, contemplative joy. And then on the right side of the page, which is Din, the right side of the page is very much the, the, the element of, whole, of withholding, of Shmirah, that there needs to be a fence, there needs to be a, um, not only what you should do, but what you shouldn't do in order to support um, Shabbat's frame. I love that he leaves it really open, but he also invites uh, a kind of reflection on halakha and on certain forms of halakha or Jewish law and, and various things um, that should be maintained in order to create the environment of Shabbat. Now, if you turn back to the, la the back page that we were on before, you'll see in, in the table that I gave you, if we move from the biblical period, oh, by the way, in, uh, source number four is one of the most beautiful, beautiful, beautiful uh, biblical passages. It's one of the only ones having to do with Shabbat explicitly. It's in Isaiah 58, and it's read, actually, on, it was read in shuls on Yom Kippur. Very beautiful. If you refrain from trampling the Shabbat, in tashiv mi Shabbat ragli, from pursuing your affairs on my holy day. My holy day. Why? Because in Source 1, in the beginning of the creation story, God was the one that made the day holy. Right? right? We can only hope to, to add our holiness to what has already been established. If you call Shabbat a delight, the only place in the Torah, in the Tanakh, 
where the notion of Oneg, Oneg, right? Oneg, people have heard of that? Oneg? Oh, what's an Oneg? What do you think Oneg is? What? Oneg is, a, it's, no, not a holiday. Not a celebration. It's delight. It's delight, it's pleasure. It's, Oneg is, is something centrally yummy. Oneg Shabbos, if you look at the Rambam on Oneg Shabbos, if you look at the Maimonides, the way he codifies Oneg Shabbat, right, he actually is a category called Oneg Shabbat. It's not just like the 92nd Street Y or, the, or JCC brands, like a Friday night singles, uh, you know, swinging event as like a, 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 it's an Oneg Shabbat, or I'm going to the Oneg, you know, when I was growing up, that's what he said, I'm going to the Oneg, Mom, I'll be back at, you know, 11 o'clock, it's going to be uh, singing and whatever. When, when people say Oneg, it's, it's a biblical category that Maimonides even codifies. He says, like, if you get, if you're used to getting, like, uh, a certain kind of coffee during the week, he doesn't say this, but a certain de- delicacy during the week, but, but you have a special thing that for Shabbat, that's your thing. It's like, I get this specific coffee on Shabbat. I get this specific cake on Shabbat. I get, sha- you know, Karen's uh, plum tart for Shabbat. That's my Shabbat gishmak. That's my Oneg, Right? Right, you know, or like I have a, a bottle of wine. I could have opened it Wednesday, but instead I waited till Friday night. That, that's Onik Shabbos, right? And, and it gets more it's sexual activities. Onik Shabbos, like there's there's a quality of sensual physicality, and del and and the delicacy and the delight of Oneg is very powerful. It comes from Isaiah, and he goes on to say. Um, I mean, it says beautifully that if you. If you honor it and go and not and go not your ways, no look to your affairs or strike bargains. Right, then you can seek the favor of the Lord. I will set you astride the heights of the earth and let you enjoy the heritage of your father Jacob, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This part of Isaiah is actually read in many Orthodox homes before Kiddush on Shabbat afternoon or Shabbat morning in the great Kiddush, Kiddush Rabbah. We'll talk about that later in about a month or two, about actual Shabbat day. We're still talking about Friday night. So I just wanted to, to focus in on that delight piece. That's all of this on the left side of the page is biblical. So, so far, just to sum up before we go into the rabbinic piece, we have creation. Shabbat is an honoring of creation. Shabbat is remembered. And in its remembrance, it is, um, it gives honor to, to the notion that even the divine, even that which was omnipotent and omniscient needed rest. And so too we are humbled by the boundaries of that which we cannot do. And in, we, we, are, we remember Zachor de Shabbat, we have to remember Shabbat. And Mirat Shabbat, Lishmur Shabbat, Shomer Shabbat means that there are things that we don't do, that we refrain from doing in order to enhance the beauty of Shabbat. And Shabbat is also a delight. It is a delight. A delight. Sunny, sunny, sunny. It's a delight. Okay? That's you. You're a delight. On the right side of the page, uh, source number five. In the rabbinical period, what it was that needed to be refrained from was expanded from a very general, amorphous, don't do this, don't do your business, to some very, very large categories. These 39 categories 
are called the general categories of that of work which must not be engaged on on Shabbat. You can imagine why it takes a whole year in, in yeshiva to study all of the minutia of these thirty nine. All thirty nine of these general categories are derived from the things that were done proactively in the Mishkan to create the tabernacle, that portable sanctuary in the desert, and, and later on in the land of Canaan. These 39 categories were Mishkan-like activity that on Shabbat we were to refrain from. They could be done in the Mishkan, but in the sanctuary in time we had to refrain from doing that in order to create this beautiful quality. Um, you'll see some of the things here that you might not recognize, like kneading and baking and sheep shearing, right? So it wasn't, for the rabbis, it wasn't just these specific activities, but anything that, re- that was, uh, resembled it in form, not in content. For example, number 34, building, binyan. You see that? So in the Mishkan, it had to do with taking beams and, and putting them together with other beams. In, in a more, in the rabbinic interpretation, it expands to any time you build something, whether it's um, out of the bones of chicken, or any time you um, use an umbrella, some, some modern interpretations. The way that the orthodox, uh, or the traditional perspective was with these, were 39 general categories whose form, not content, but form, was what created Shabbat activity or not, right? So tearing something, right? Tearing something falls under uh, a number of these different categories, right? Tearing, number 24. So tearing toilet paper, for that matter, and not using tissue paper. Now, I'm not advocating now for the traditional perspective on how to keep Shabbat. I'm just giving you a flavor for what the Shomer Shabbat Right, what it where in in Chazal in the rabbis where it went, okay. Um, if you look in the bottom, uh, Isidore Grunfeld, who was the Dayan in England in London, was the chief one of the great um, rabbis uh, of the the British Commonwealth. He has a book on this, and so category thirty six, kindling of fire. Right. Anybody want to read that? Any activity which initiates or prolongs combustion or similar light and heat producing processes. So, this would include lighting, lighting one flame from another, poking the fire or otherwise increasing the flow of oxygen there to, right, you can see this gets super uh, <laughs> detailed, detail. Re- regulating a flame by turning it up or down, smoking a cigarette, producing an electric spark, Starting or driving a motor car, using a telephone, switching on electric uh, light or any electrical uh, apparatus. If you then wanted to make a, a fence to this fence, you would say reading alone by a lamplight because you might tip it. Moving a lighted lamp or candle, traveling in a bus or car, even if it's driven by someone who's not Jewish, is also forbidden. Blah 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 blah. Okay. Okay. Now time out. I don't want to go there. That's not where I want to go. <laughs> I just wanted to give you a flavor. We've never done anything remotely halachic here in the Kabbalah Cafe. And I just, it's just so important for you to get a sense of the spirit of this because 
For example, there were big arguments about whether or not electricity was fire. How did electricity work in the 19th century when it was discovered? Right? Is it fire? Is it water? How, and th these are the kinds of uh, application of divine, of that spirit of how do we safeguard this beautiful thing, Shabbat, that Arthur was speaking to, but of course, you know, you and I might not be using this as our beginning, but just the sense that, um, that there is an, an element of Shabbat that is about not doing something, right? That it doesn't happen by itself. You have to refrain um, as well as doing something positive. In Kabbalah, we know this tension as a tension between chesed and givura, right? So the chesed of Shabbat, the love of Shabbat is what you do to make Shabbat beautiful. And the givurah of Shabbat, the withholding of Shabbat, is what you don't do in order to safeguard its inherent or intrinsic beauty. Even if you don't make Shabbat beautiful, guess what? It's still beautiful. It still is. The Kedusha of Shabbos is, is Kayam, it, it exists. The, the sacred quality of Shabbat is irrespective of your um, making it Shabbat, right? It's very different than, than the other holidays. In Israel, if you didn't sanctify the new moon in ancient Israel, it, you wouldn't have Pesach on the right day. So you could have a day that was... But Shabbos was already, it didn't matter with the moon. Whenever Shabbos came, that was Shabbos. Right? Meaning it didn't matter what people did? Meaning it didn't, in other words, you don't make the day holy. The, the holiness exists irrespective of your, of your having witnessed the new moon and make, and in other words, and, make the, and, and proclaim a new moon and so on and so forth. Those things. Okay. So far so good, everybody? We're, we're right on time. We're not running over tonight. All right. Let's move a little bit into, into some of the beautiful things about Shabbat. Okay. On the page that has a number 10, I think, I'm sorry, Mystical Shabbat, page 20 in the top right. Mystical Shabbat, page 20. Some of you might be familiar with these sources. These are all from, from Heschel's, Heschel's book, this, The Shabbat, The Sabbath. How many people have read The Sabbath? Wow, put it on your reading list. It's great. Especially if we're going to be doing this the whole year. The Source one number by, one. The one by no, not Wayne Mueller. That, that's just called Sabbath without the definite article. The Sabbath is, is only one person. That's Heschel. Okay. So I feel like I've been working hard for six days now. I need a breath. So let, let's, take a, everybody, let's take a deep breath together. You know what? Now's a good time. Basia, you want to sing a song with us? I'll give you a chance to warm up. Kabbalah Cafe with the ukulele can't get any better than that. <laughs>
I know. How you doing? How you doing? Gabriel, Gabriel Marsh? Yeah, how's it going? I know. So just do it if you do a little higher for me. Uh, so then sing, then sing your own song. It doesn't matter. Shalom, shalom aleichem, malachem. Do I? You do it. Do it. You do it in your key. I like your key. Malachem, ashalem, Sabbath itself is a sanctuary which we build, a sanctuary in time. It is one thing to race or be driven by the vicissitudes that menace life, and another thing to stand still and to embrace the presence of an eternal moment. The seventh day is the armistice in man's cruel struggle for existence, a truce in all conflicts, personal and social, peace between man and man, man and nature, peace within man. A day on which handling money is considered a desecration, on which man avows his independence of that which is the world's chief idol. 
The seventh day is the exodus from tension, the liberation of man from his own muddiness, the installation of man as a sovereign in the world of time, in the, in the tempestuous ocean of time and toil, there are islands of stillness where man may enter a harbor and reclaim his dignity. The island is the seventh day, the Sabbath, a day of detachment from things and instruments and practical affairs as well as of attachment to the spirit. Can everybody feel, I'm going to read three and four, but can everybody feel how majestically he is, he is and eloquently and articulately he is and, and poetically, he is, he is elevating Shamor V'Zachor. Detachment and attachment. Shamor is detach, and Zachor is attach. Shamor is detach, and Zachor is attach. That sanctuary time, by the way, is, is like... If you never read anything, but you want to like show off that you know something about something, just say, "Oh yeah, Shabbat is a sanctuary time." They were like, "Oh, wow!" You read Heschel, and uh, and it's beautiful. And, and by the way, the Shabbat is a paradigm shift on the order of the movement of the sanctuary in space from right from the Beit Hamikdash to the actual temple to the sanctuary in time, which is portable. You can't take the temple everywhere, but you are always bound by time. So our, we didn't make a pilgrimage every year up to Jerusalem when we were living in Lithuania or in, in Babylon, in, in, in Iraq or in Baghdad. But Shabbat came week in and week out, and that was a sanctuary in time. You went through one gate, and then you left another gate. And that shift in consciousness was a profoundly important shift. The movement from space to time was a, a very important paradigm shift in, from the biblical period to the rabbinic period. Which is why Shabbat in the tradition is Shabbat is connected, it is considered as important as all of the mitzvot in the Torah. There are even some rabbinic saints, Howie, that say that if you keep Shabbat, it's as if you kept the whole Torah. Nothing but the Torah, so help you, Torah. It's that important. Shabbat is God's name in the Zohar. Very vital. Number three. Out of the days through which we fight and from whose ugliness we ache, we look to the Sabbath as our homeland as our source and destination. It is the day in which we abandon our plebeian pursuits and reclaim our authentic state, in which we may partake of a blessedness in which we are what we are, regardless of whether we are learned or not, of whether our career is a success or a failure. It is a day of independence of social conditions. All week we may ponder and worry whether we are rich or poor, whether we succeed or fail in our occupations, whether we accomplish or fall short of reaching our goals, but who could feel distressed when gazing at, at spectral glimpses of eternity except to feel startled at the vanity of being so distressed? The Sabbath thus is more than an armistice, more than an interlude. It is a profound 
conscious harmony of man and the world, a sympathy of all things, and a participation in the spirit that unites what is below and on high. Isn't that beautiful? And last but not least, we come to the first page of the handout. So it isn't until the last ten minutes that I wanted to go all Kabbalistic on you. So um, these sources are from the Zohar, from uh, Moshe de Leon, who wrote the Zohar probably, from Joseph Gikatila, the author of, of Shari Ora, a late 13th century Castilian mystic. And the last one is a early 17th century teaching from the Shla Kadosh, Isaiah Harwitz, who wrote the two tablets of the covenant, the Shla, Shnei Luchos Abris. I have about five sources there, parading through geography and history, moving away from the 13th century in Spain, uh, in, on the top, down to Jerusalem in the 17th century. <coughs> Everybody with me? Yes. Yeah. Sonny, how are you doing? Good. Yeah? Sure? Everybody else okay? Should I go around each each person? <laughs> Rita, everybody's okay. Awesome. Okay, great, awesome. How about the guys over there in the back? Maurice, you good? What's the gentleman over there? That gentleman, you all right? You cool? Okay. Bossy, how you doing? We have another Megan coming up. Be on deck, okay? That's why everybody loves Got a niggin on deck. Okay. This is Gewalt. If you guys can, like, this is Gewalt. Now, I, 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 let me, let me do it, because otherwise I'm going to be here. So, right? Hashemayim misaprim kivot el, umase adav magid harakia. It says in Tehillim, I think it's 19, I think it's your test, I think it's, uh, it's a big tale. It says, "Hashemayim misaprim kivodel." The shemayim, the heavens, are telling misaprim kivodel the glory of God, umaseyadav, and the work of his hands, his handiwork, magid harakia. The firmament declares God's handiwork. In other words, when I look out at the world and I say, "Wow, holy macaroni." Right? When I get a sense of what used to be called the cosmological proof of God's existence, I look at the cosmos and I see order and complexity. I look through my microscope. I look at my window. I see, I see God's hand everywhere. I see an author. Right? So the Zohar in the 13th century reads that last part of that verse. Umaseh yadav magid harakia. Maaseh yadav, the work of yadav, his hands, magid. Like Haggadah, right? Can you hear the word Haggadah in there? Mm-hmm. Haggadah tells, like a Haggadah tells the story of the Exodus. Magid HaRakia. Rakia is the firmament. So when the, the psalmist says the firmament is Magid, it means that it's screaming, right? The, the stars, the heavens are screaming, are declaring Magid, God's handiwork, yeah? 
But the Zohar reads the word Magid in its Aramaic form. I'm sure a lot of you here already have PhDs in Aramaic. So just I saw. So to you all, I apologize. For those of you who don't, quick refresher course on Aramaic. The word Magid or Gid in Aramaic means to go out from. To go out from in Aramaic. To gush from. So the Zohar is going to read that verse spherotically. Ready? The supernal dew streams forth from all of the hidden regions. Little did you know, everybody, but it's raining in heaven all the time. There's a, there is a dew. There's a dew, a, um, a, a divine dew, a supernal dew that is streaming forth from all of the hidden regions. And that is what is Ma'ase Yadav, God's handiwork through which he completes himself on this day of Shabbat more than on any other. The firmament, the rakia, streams forth, Magid, and courses downward from the head of the king in great abundance. And the firmament is that stream issuing from the cistern, the river going out from Eden, from Dina, which flows earthward. earthward. It is the stream of, of supernal dew which gleams and sparkles from all sides. This firmament carries all of this downward in a stream of love and desire in order to irrigate the field of joy on Shabbat evening. When this, when this bejeweled dew streams down, the entire divine world becomes full and complete. Hello. Can anybody say... Spherotic? Right? So what's coming forth from Bina? From the heavens? From the, the highest place in the divine realm? It's from Keter, but it comes through Bina. There is flow. What is that flow? It's the, it's the Shefa. It's God's love. It's grace. It's abundance. It's it's raining. Shefa, hallelujah. It's, it's raining. It's raining. It's raining God's love. You don't see it. We don't see it. But, but guess what the field is? Here's another frame for you for Shabbat. Shabbat is called, Shekhinah is called the field, the God field. It's that place, right? Remember we said that the last Sefirah has no light of its own like the moon and the earth has no seed of its own. It's not irrigating itself. The field that lies fallow is called Shabbat. It's that day when everything is... It's that day when we refrain from, from touching the field like the seventh year. The energy of Shabbat is that God is... The divine love is flowing in as... as as water to irrigate the, the, the field called Shabbat. So from Bina, through Chesed, through Gevura, through Tif'er, through Netzchot Yisod, Malchut, this field is being replenished, it is being irrigated, it is being watered on Shabbat. Or an even starker image is the image, what else would you, what other image arises here? Sex. Of sex. Yeah. It's a very sexual image. Shabbat and is making God is making love to creation on Shabbat. Is that where double mitzvah comes from? That's where the double mitzvah. Yeah. Well, seriously. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Sex on human sex on Shabbat is just a small expression of of the eros that's happening that should be happening, which probably because of cholent doesn't happen enough uh, <laughs> I, I, on Shabbat. 
right? It's and and it's again. It, let's let's just be really honest. Let's let's be honest here that sex is a very small and pale reflection of 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 what the erotic is in in for for Jews for for mystics, right? It's not about. It's not only when two human beings come together. It's not only when two human beings are are. That's of course holy because two human beings made in the divine image who are having sex can are it's it's beautiful if it's done with the kedusha with a lot of things it can can be very beautiful but it's the whole of creation is is erotically being recharged uh, by the flow of divine love into the universe on Shabbat so it's a t- I mean you couldn't get further from source number one on the biblical sheet right now, you know, in the 13th century in Spain. It's like, you know, I was watching, I watched this guy, Anthony Bourdain, you guys know that guy? He does this great cooking show on CNN. Love that guy. So he, uh, love that guy. So like, he's like, he's in, he was in Spain, like he just did, he has a show called Parts Unknown. And he was in Spain, and he was like, he was in, in, in a cave in Castile. It was amazing. And there was with all these gypsies, you know, and they're like really, like that's the the origin of the, of it. And these and and they were talking about the sexuality in gypsy music and in, in gypsy life. And you could feel in this guy who was telling his story that he was so it was so charged, it was dripping with sensuality. But it wasn't the kind of stuff that sells at newsstands. It was much broader, much deeper, much more connected with art and with good art and and, and you know and cutting edge art. It was like it was alive. It was it was. It had fecundity. It was like it was alive. There was something. There was something to graft onto. He was alive. He was a vein, and that's what Gid Haggadah, Haggadah on Pesach is not a story. It's a vein. A Gid, Gid Anasha is a vein. <clears throat> it's a sinew. It's something that pulls it together, right? If some, if you try to pull together two disparate pieces with a piece of dead string, right? With something dead, it's brittle. It falls apart. But when a vein is something alive and juicy, is connecting something. That's what Haggadah is supposed to be. That's why you're never supposed to read the Haggadah from the beginning to the end because it's dead. It's like like it's dead. It's like throwing it on the floor. Haggadah that you read from the beginning to the end is boring. It has to have aliveness. It has to have blood moving through it. That's what sexuality is. It's where there is aliveness, right? That's why you can have sexuality that's dead. So Eros and Shabbat is supposed to be about life. That's what did. Magid Harakia, the Zohar says, that, that, that the work of, you, of the heavens is screaming aliveness. It is a vein of connection, right? And that if you are alive and connected with the natural world, then even ten minutes in the natural world of walking with your feet on the earth, of smelling flowers, right? You know one of the holiest things you can do on Shabbat I'm a little bit out of order here, so I apologize, especially with the whole Seder reference. But like, it, it, a little bit. But one of the things that you do on Shabbat that's brought down in a lot of places is that it's a mitzvah on Shabbos to smell incense all of Shabbat. Really? It's a huge mitzvah. It's a huge mitzvah to carry, especially hadasim, especially hadasim, not burn incense, but hadasim, like um, myrtle branch. And uh, growing up in the Yemenite synagogues that I go to, the women would always pick basil or something like the fragrant herb, and it'd be in the in the shul, like on the tables, sure. and then we'd always have it around. 
in, in, in almost every house in, in the from world, and when I was in my, my really from stage, and even to this day in my house, we, um, we have incense on the table throughout Shabbat. Because Shabbat, if you look closely at the story, and I know I'm running over, Deborah, I'm sorry. Um, if, you look at, if you look very closely at the story, if you look very closely at the story of the Garden of Eden, you look at what happened there in the Garden of Eden, all of the senses were involved in the first, in that mythical moment of, of rebellion, except for the scent of smell. Right? They saw, they touched, they tasted, they heard, but it doesn't say they smelled. And there's a very deep tradition, you can connect this also with the Nadis. You, you, could look, you could connect this with the Nadis in, in the yogic tradition. That that place behind the nose, that, that the, the two Nadis that become the, the pathway for all of the prana in the body. And there's a very deep connection between memory, obviously, and smelling. And the myth is essentially trying to say that we each have access to the smell of enlightenment. That we each have a memory of connection, of aliveness, that is our birthright, and that Shabbat is is so connected with with smell and with and with gid and and the, the energy of bina coming forth and the energy of, of the of our mother the earth being irrigated and being receptive and and, and taking it in and connecting ourselves to a, a memory of aliveness. Is that why we have flowers on Saturday? So some so. Flowers. Smell? I don't know. I, I, yeah, probably. It's probably it. Well, all the senses are really yeah. stimulated, and, and including the sexual, and like you were talking about, having that sense of aliveness, and, and having that practice be a sacred practice, and running that energy, and learning those, I think a lot of those ways and teachings are sort of lost for a while, but we can find them in a lot of other, you know, cultures. But even you were saying that that sexual vital life force, like that gypsy man you were talking about, to run that up to our bodies and give that life force. Absolutely, that right? Absolutely, and it doesn't have to be. I mean, I want to. That that would be. That's an ideal, right? It's an ideal to have that sense of Shabbat as the potential day of, of transformative love making with all of life, right? But it's also a day. It's also a day of of deep sensuality where, um, where even simple things that we can do that are not, you know, Osho or not on the level of like, the, you know, of Tantra, but much simpler things like, um, again, good food, good wine, these are all in the, in the, in the level of, of Zachor, of remember, of, of dressing in clothing that smells, that smells wonderful. In you know, um, you know, beautiful sheets. It wouldn't be wonderful if people had special Shabbos sheets that were like of a much softer uh, quality. So when they when they you know, like my son Bear this last week said, um, he came running to the house in front of everybody. And said, "I'm getting naked. I want to have my skin touch the sheets." Aww. So you know, I'm not advocating for how you go to bed, but I'm just saying like it would be nice if we made small choices on Shabbat that would be a part of zikhira, of remembering Shabbat, and, and giving it that quality, you know. It's also, um, we'll get to a lot of other things, you know, I'm just in the context of this teaching from the Zohar. Um, 
Okay, enough. Let, I wanted I wanted to get to, to two other things, and then we'll call it a night. As you can see, there's no shortage of stuff to study about Shabbat. The second teaching on the right side is really stunning. For those of you who can't read Hebrew, those three letters are Shin. Then there's a plus sign. I'm moving from right to left. Shin, the three as the three prongs. Then there's the letter Bet, with a little dot inside. Right? It's like a home with, its, with one side open. And then a taf, which is the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet. It looks like a, uh, I don't know what it looks like to you, in, in little, little prince, in danger of saying what exactly. it is. I don't know what it is. Exactly. It could be a lot of different things. Yeah. Um, Shabbat. Got it? Now here's the teaching from the Zohar. When the supernal point, the Shekhinah, ascends and the divine light shines, then she is crowned with three patriarchs. Chesed, Givura, and Tiferet. Immediately. She unites with them and becomes one. This totality is called Shabbat. Now listen to the way this works. When the energy, the, this is the way the Zohar says it. When Shabbat ascends, meaning when the energy of Shabbat ascends on high, it takes up the three patriarchs are included in Shabbat. I'll, I'll, I'll unpack this later. But you can see that the shin has three prongs, one for each of the patriarchs. Yeah? And then if you separate the first letter from the last two letters, you have shin, which has the energy of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then the last two letters form one word called bat. Who is bat? The shekhinah, the daughter. Who is the daughter? The daughter is the shekhinah. Shabbat is that day when the daughter, the Shekhinah, unites with all of the energies of the patriarchs and all the energies of, of our ancestors. And in other ways, another way you could say it is that she is crowned with them with the, the Bina and the upper triad, meaning Bina, Chokhmah, and Keter, and they all become one. Essentially, um, this is a kind of linguistic, orthographic symbolism Shabbat is an acronym for the day on which everything in all worlds comes to unite, the father and the daughter, the father and his bride. All of these are images that are trying to relay to us that Shabbat is a day of union. Union and reunion. Okay? So don't get stuck on the last moment of Kabbalistic confusion. Let it go. Okay. Last two shtickles are connected to last week's Torah that I ended with, and I wanted to end with them as well. And they are from, they are from two very powerful, important Kabbalistic sources. The first one is from Joseph Jikatila's work, and it sees Shabbat as the pupil of the world's eye. Isn't that a beautiful image? That Shabbat is seen as the pupil of the world's eye, or the center of the cosmic wheel. Isn't that great? Cosmic wheels. You'll stick about that when you're getting in cabs tonight or on your bicycles. Cosmic wheels, you know. Or the pupil of the world's eye. All of God's creation and all of God's creatures are the mystery of the wheel, says Joseph Jikatila. God created everything from one point, which is the mystery of Shabbat. People who see that, if you've studied Kabbalah before, that shouldn't be so surprising. God created everything from one point. What does that remind you of? 
Anybody remember? A little yud, but something a little bit broader. The tzimtzum. There you go. I have never seen anybody quote this as an early iteration of the tzimtzum, but I think it might be. The tzimtzum is that divine constriction of all of infinity into one point, and then all of the universe comes from one point. So that one point here is identified as Shabbat. That's pretty crazy. Okay. The mystery of the center, he calls it. Like spokes on a wheel, the six days radiate from the Shabbat, which is theoretically known as Yisod. I know that Shabbat is also called um, uh, Malchut, but I'm not going to explain that right now. And the Shabbat in its holiness is in the middle. Right? Alone. It has no mate. So in this, in this version, God, Shabbat doesn't have a mate, even though the Midrash said it could be God or it could be us. But Shabbat stands alone, like Malchut stands alone. It doesn't have anybody with it. Shabbat stands at the center of this, of this wheel. And it is the source of all of the Shefa. Shefa is flow or flux or love, love energy. There is no celestial sphere that does not contain the secret of Shabbat. The six profane days are called the hollow, the halal, the wheel, of the wheel. For should the center be removed, all would be hollow, empty and profane, like a body emptied of its soul, its very center. So in this image, this image is very different than the image that we have of, of Shabbat in the week, right? Right? If we were to imagine Shabbat at the end of six days, Right? It's a very different image than this image. What's this image of Shabbat? Shabbat is in the center. So let's imagine it. Um, uh, I guess it is already depicted two-dimensionally. How, what does that feel like? What does that look like? Shabbat in the center. Like So if you had, if you literally had in the center all of the days of the week, right? And Shabbat was in the center. So surrounding, closest to Shabbat is Friday and Sunday. And then the next, right? Monday, Thursday. Monday, Thursday. Shabbat is, all of these are extensions of Shabbat, and all of those are animated by the power of Shabbat and would become mechulalim. What does that word mean? The word chol. Secular, Secular, ordinary. But what does it really mean? It means empty. Like halal. Halal is the way we, the word for, for space in Hebrew. They would be empty because... They wouldn't have the, they would not be there would be no center. center to hold it. So all of the days of the week are spinning because of Shabbat. They spin around Shabbat. Shabbat is infusing them with their energy, with their life force, with their speed. And were Shabbat removed, it becomes just six empty days. Now, I don't know about you, but those days wouldn't they wouldn't be empty for me. He must mean empty of, of a certain meaning or purpose, a certain quality of to what end, why, to where, what's it all about. Right? Empty not of the things to do, but empty of essential core being. That must be what he's alluding to. And the last um, text is from the Shla. The last one on that page is from the Shnei Luchot Abrit. His name is of his book, The Two Tablets of the Covenant, is sometimes known as the Shla HaKadosh, the Holy Shla. The Sabbath is the root of the other days. 
and they are the branches of the Sabbath. So he has them as a menorah, as a different image. The Sabbath and the weekdays may be imaged as a menorah, candelabrum, with three branches on each side, all facing the central column, which constitutes its trunk. The first three represent the three days preceding Shabbat, in which one prepares all the aspects of one's soul. And the last three branches may be likened to the afterglow, the Rishimu, like the residue or the aroma of a perfume that lingers in the bottle of a Shabbat that remains in one's soul. The cycle occurs and recurs each week. One should draw each day from the one should draw each day from the sanctity of the Shabbat that resides in it. See that? So here's what I say. I say that it's a shanda, which is Yiddish for it's a shame, that we don't have anywhere in New York a Kabbalat Shabbat service on Wednesday night. Or Tuesday night. This is essentially kind of like Shabbat ends really on Tuesday during the day. Meaning, in Halakha, if you don't make Havdalah, the separation between Shabbat and the weekday, if you forget, you can go up till Tuesday and, and make Havdalah. Because the energy of Shabbat continues all the way till Tuesday. And it begins on Wednesday. So, we're already tonight, like in the... Reb Zalman has this image of the way... Um, a cow's milk will begin to come down, or a, or a mother's milk will begin to come down when, um, as it prepares for the baby's suckling. So Rav Zalman always says that, that Torah is likened to mother's milk, and Shabbat is also, right? So that you can already taste Shabbat on Wednesday. You can already taste Shabbat on Wednesday. So I don't know why, and I still, if we had a space, I guarantee you, if we had a space, I would want a Kabbalat Shabbat service on Wednesday night. Not like Friday night service, but like in, in, in different, but in preparation. Right? Where you would actually begin, you'd be beginning to let go, because there's a lot to let go of the week on Friday. It's like there's a lot of week to let go. But if you started letting go of the week on Wednesday, like if you, on Wednesday night, said, okay, I'm letting go of Monday, Tuesday. I'm halfway there. Yeah, I don't know, but like, something, <laughs> something. We, well, we do something. Tonight is actually the beginning. Huh? Tonight. No, tomorrow night. Yeah. It ends. It ends Tuesday at the end of Tuesday. You can make Abdullah until tomorrow, right before Erev, night before Wednesday night. Wow. It's all day Tuesday. Right, but now it's Tuesday night. It's still connected to last week. Exactly. So the so the so the traditional version is you start cooking on Wednesday night, okay? But it would be sweet if um if we could have a pre kabbalah pre k a pre cab, you know, a pre kabbalah shabbat, and and for that matter, by the way, and I've said this last seven years running, we did it for a year, it went well, but then we stopped. We don't really have a Kabbalat Shavua anywhere. Like, Havdalah is very focused on what just was, but what about what's about to happen? Like, how do you have the energies to receive the week with, with the intentionality of Shabbat? Like, we need to amplify the residue that remains in the bottle for, two, for, for Monday morning and Monday afternoon and for Tuesday morning and Tuesday afternoon so that those days can also be infused with the, with the element of Shabbat. Right, it really is, is vital because Shabbat is is the glue to a Jewish week. 
It's really, it's vital. Could you say something a little more about that incense that isn't the same as Indian incense? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't mean that it's not. It's, it is Indian incense. Oh, I just but meant, you can burn it? I just don't. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't want people to burn incense on Shabbat. So you just keep it like the smell of it without burning it? Yeah. Yeah. Keep, keep it, it in your pocket. It doesn't have to be incense. It can be whatever whatever floats your your, your olfactory boat. You know? <laughs> right. We'll have we'll have in in the Romamu gift shop. We'll have like Shabbat <laughs> fragrance brought to you by you know. It's, it's along the other line is Messiah with Messiah fragrance. <laughs> yeah, you can have 52 fragrances for the year, exactly. I like that. So, um, so I want I want us to. Uh, I don't know if uh, Basi, are you still on deck? You got something? Okay, something more complex, something more Response. So, so um, let's raise it a little bit. Adama, 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 Bishamayim, 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 Bishamayim,
Yeah, 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 yeah